Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast every Tuesday right here at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane, Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis, along to discuss a bevy of topics. Of course, Tennessee football uh, suffered its first loss of the season between the Hedges and Georgia. Uh, playoff hopes still very much alive as Tennessee looks to rebound against Missouri and the final three games of the regular season. And you're catching all this at VolQuest.com. Always $1 for one year right now for the time being, I should say. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video. And if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe to the VolQuest channel on YouTube. So, Brent, Tennessee does suffer its first loss of the season to Georgia. Um, obviously, there were some things went wrong. But I think the big takeaway, even while we were watching the football game, when we went back and rewatched it, hearing from Josh Heupel and players on Monday, a lot of self-inflicted wounds that Tennessee needs to correct to, to give themselves a chance against good football teams like Georgia. No, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Georgia. Georgia's a better football team than I thought that, that they were. Um, offensive line's good. Um, their, their defensive front's good. I thought they were extremely uh, sound in the secondary, better than in the secondary with those young guys than I thought. Um, just impressed with Starks, impressed with Smile Mund in the, in the way that they played. But – uh, Tennessee could have put themselves in a situation to make that a, a potential one-score game at the half if they hadn't shot themselves in the foot with some of the dumb mistakes that they made. But um, plenty to work on for Tennessee, uh, a learning experience for Tennessee, a, a, a painful one because of what the stage was and what opportunity presented itself there. But uh, something that Tennessee has to learn from and they better learn from moving forward. Um, and, and, and don't let Georgia beat you twice. I, I think that's the big message for from, from my perspective, looking at it is don't spend all week dwelling on what you didn't get done, fix it and move forward against a Missouri team that defensively poses some challenges. Uh, I don't think they can do what Georgia did, but that's been a very stingy Missouri defense this year to this point. Stingy to this point. They've not played the offenses, um, you, know, the, you know, like Tennessee, but you're right. I mean, you put them away early last year. You've got to do that this year. You've got to come out, play your best football. Uh, Eric said it in the two-minute drill on Monday. You know, come out, you know, get a 14 or 21 spot in the first quarter and, and, and you know, kind of get some momentum going because that's what you want. I, you know, I think Tennessee left points on the board against Kentucky. They obviously did not play very well against Georgia. Can they get the, the – can they flip the script back, you know, to where we saw against Alabama? And not just Alabama, but UT Martin. I mean, Tennessee went out there against an inferior Skyhawks team and just dismantled them, did whatever they wanted to do against them. I'm not saying that, that Missouri is UT Martin, but at the same time, Tennessee, if they go out and play the way they're capable, should be able to put up plenty of points no matter how good Missouri's defense has been to this point. Rob, something that I picked up on in the Monday press conferences from Josh Heupel, from Hinton Hooker, from Latrell Bumpus – um, you know, they didn't say it like this. I mean, I, it's the phrase I've been using, snap and clear. Uh, just see it, learn from it, move on. Thanks, Butch. And, and, and get to work, like uh, like when Brent Hub said. And I, I feel like, Rob, 
that the leadership, I mean, Hendon Hooker looked dialed in on Monday. And I feel like the leadership in this locker room, you, you're going to see just that. You're going to see Tennessee come back and get off to a hot start because, again, I, I don't think that, you know, Latrell Bump has even said that they've come too far to let this, you know, stop them. They're going to get back to work this week and try to finish it off the right way. Yeah. I mean, I'd be really surprised if they don't play well. I mean, really, really surprised. I mean, just, you know, I, I might end up looking naive, but I, I just feel like, you know, Hypel has a, has has the pulse of this team. You mentioned the leadership, Eric. Um, you know, I think they have a lot of veterans that that are accountable to one another. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if embarrassed was a strong word, but maybe may too strong a word. But I think the I, I think there was a lot of disappointment in, in how they played on Saturday, and I, I think that they're I think you're going to have a group of guys that are anxious to get back out and say this. You know that that's not us. This is you know we can be better. We can do better. And I'll, I'll be really surprised if they don't close strong. I'm like, like Brent said, you can't let Georgia beat you twice. And I don't think this team is built like that. So in order to correct some of those miscues that happened in that football game, I mean, nine penalties for Tennessee, eight of them pre-snap penalties, seven of them false start penalties. Brent Hendon Hooker said on Monday, no, the, the, he, he tried to, he, he was like, no, the, the crowd didn't have anything to do with it. You should be going off the movement of the ball, not on what I'm saying, regardless of what it is. Tennessee's got to fix those pre-snap penalties. That's what hindered them at the beginning of last year. That's something that doesn't need to hinder them in week 10 of year number two. Well, no, when you're at home, it shouldn't be a factor this week at yeah. all. Um, part of that is mental focus. I, I, I disagree with Hendon a little bit. I think the noise did have a factor. I know you're supposed to watch the ball, but it, it was loud down there. I, I told you this on the rewind. When, when I watched the rewind, I, I knew the self-inflicted wounds were, were pretty significant, but but, I mean, Tennessee hurt themselves a lot, particularly in that first quarter with just some really really some uncharacteristic mistakes kind of on both sides of the ball, some stuff they haven't done. So I would imagine when Tennessee watched the tape uh, as players and the coaches watched it, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a silver lining. I think it, was, it became more angry than anything else because th- there were some opportunities there to make that a more competitive football game. I'm not saying Tennessee should have won or could have won or whatever – but you know they, they hadn't missed they hadn't overthrown Jalen Hyatt this year, right? Hendon Hooker's not missed on those. He hadn't missed a Brew McCoy deep shot very often. They, they missed a couple of deep shots that were there, and, and then obviously they just they harmed themselves with, with dumb penalties that that knocked them out of rhythm. So I, I think if you're a player and and you've got you know something about you, which I think this team did, I think you probably got pretty angry watching the tape because I don't think you looked at that tape and went wow, we were so outclassed, we had no business being on the field. I think it was more of a, wow, they're good. We should have been more competitive, and we eliminated ourselves from being as competitive in that game as we should have been because of the dumb things and the mistakes we made. So moving forward, Austin, obviously, and this is the message on Monday, you take it game by game. Next game is the most important because it's the next game and all that. But for Tennessee to, I mean, Atlanta, you're not going to get there but you could still be playing in the college football playoff for Tennessee. Do you need to go out there and win by 40? I mean, is there some style points here? How would you approach this? You got to get the win. The win is a win, but how would you approach these last three games? If you're Tennessee's offense or really Tennessee's entire team? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're Tennessee, you know, I don't know if you have to win by 40, but you got to win 52 to 24 or something like that. I mean, you, you got to win games like that, you know, 48 to 20. Um, you need to score points and your defense needs to make some plays. And, and all that matters. And, again, I, I do think that the schedule has been friendly to Tennessee this year from a standpoint of, you know, you've got buffers. Uh, this, is, uh, this is, you know, Missouri's team's capable. They're scrappy. 
but it's a nice buffer game because it's senior day. You get them at home. So, like, it's not like you're having to go to that, that South Carolina game. If it was this week, to me, it would be more concerning. I think being able to come back home this week is a big deal. Um, you know, and kind of build your momentum back. Like I said, you, you, you still have everything right in front of you. And at worst-case scenario, you're in a New Year's Six Bowl game um, at 11-1 and one if you take care of business in this last three. So, you know, I think for Tennessee, it's all about just kind of getting the momentum back. Um, getting some confidence back. Not that they really lost it, but at the same time, like, you know, I think anytime you kind of get punched in the mouth, you need to punch back. And, and Tennessee will have to need to punch back early Saturday. That way it doesn't create doubt or anything like that. They can just keep rolling. You know, I, I think, Rob, one of the benefits for Tennessee here is they don't have to change their style of play to get style points, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, right. they got to go play what they do because they're all about rolling up offensive numbers. That's what the head coach likes, and that's what they do. So, it's not like they're a team who plays it close to the vest who suddenly has to try to be, you know, more impressive or more dynamic. They've just got to go be themselves, which I think is is not a bad thing for this team. I mean, you're going to go play super aggressive like you've done all year long, right? Yeah, and even, I mean, to, to your point, Hubbard, even if they are up, you know, 38-10 on somebody at halftime, when Joe Milton and, and everybody comes in, they don't I – mean, it's not ground and pound. I mean, Heupel's still running his offense. I mean, we've seen, yeah. you know, Milton throw multiple touchdowns in the second half and multiple big ones. So I think I hadn't really considered that, but I think you make a good point where it's not going to, they don't have to get out of character to score 56 on somebody. Yeah. Now in they terms don't. of the, the, the games and the schemes and all that, and you know, we, we continue to break down Missouri as the week goes on. It's a copycat league. You're going to watch the tape. You're going to see what Georgia did against Tennessee, but Brent, I'm not sure. Missouri or South Carolina or Vanderbilt have the athletes. In fact, I know they don't have the athletes out there on the perimeter to lock down and say, Hey, man, on man, you know, you, you beat me, you win. You know, you're, you're not going to beat me much. What do you think defenses are going to try to do to try to slow down Tennessee's offense much like Georgia did? Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Missouri can do a 180 on, on what they do off uh, defensively. When you look at them statistically, they're, they're super aggressive. I think they've got right at 70 tackles for loss this year. Um, they've got, 20 sacks or something to, to that effect. I mean, they, they are, have, they have been an aggressive blitzing, really attacking defense and their, their top two leading two of their top three leading tacklers are their safeties. I watched that Georgia game. They were straight downhill in the box and, and, and their safeties really attacked at the line of scrimmage. Georgia mixed some things up and could because their defensive front could get interior penetration. I think Missouri has had to commit more people there, which is, allowed them to play some man-on-man coverage on the outside. But as Austin said earlier, when you look at their schedule, uh, Rob, you're not afraid of Vanderbilt's receivers getting no. over the top. You're not afraid of where Kentucky is with their, their passing game right now with those young receivers. They have not and, – and Georgia's not been a vertical passing threat. I mean, the Arian Smith 50-yard reception was their longest of the year by a receiver all season long against Tennessee on Saturday. So – it's going to be interesting to see how Missouri adjusts to a true big play offense because they haven't played one of those in the SEC this year. Because I don't consider Florida really that kind of offense no. either. And, and they have a weird schedule for for an SEC team. They they've only played one ranked team, at, and and we're sitting here in the middle of November. That or one team that's currently ranked, and and that's Georgia. I mean, Kentucky spent some time in there, so yeah. I mean, their their schedule is has not. I mean, you know, Tennessee's got what, six games against ranked teams and they're five and one. And, you know, Missouri, you look at them, they played played one one of those. And, I, and 
you kind of touched on this over. I, I thought the biggest thing, and I, I didn't probably watch it in the, under a microscope like you and Eric did, but it, it just you know having it on and and, and rewatch it. Just Georgia's ability to get home with four, I, I think, was was the biggest factor of the day for Tennessee's offense. I mean, allowed. I mean, you ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I, I I'm not saying they they doubled up on, on on the perimeter, but they were able to play some games and give help here and there and. And basically what they avoided was getting those you know, traps that Heupel and Goals seem to get people in every game a couple of times where, do I have him? Do you have him? It, you know, in, instead they just, they had good enough athletes to, to man up out there and, you know, maybe have, you know, safety help here or there, safety help in the middle. But the ability to to change the line of scrimmage and, and get into Hooker's face with four dudes, I, I thought was the, the biggest difference in the game. And it was, to me, it was the inside pressure, Eric, when, when you rewatched it. I mean, their ends did a good job of not letting Hooker get really outside the pocket unless he mm-hmm. bellied out really deep. You know, I'm talking eight, nine, ten yards behind the line of scrimmage to get to the perimeter. Um, that they, they did a good job kind of building a little bit of a wall there. But it was their inside pressure that, that really disrupted things and, and didn't give didn't give Hooker the, the cleanest of pockets. And they didn't let him have that kind of up-the-alley squirt-out deal uh, that, that, that you've seen them have some. And, and I think that's the – that was return of, of big boy in the middle who, who forced two fumbles, who's a really good yep. player. Um, and, and then I'm curious to see if Tennessee runs Hendon Hooker a little bit more this week by design to, to try to open some things up a little bit. They, they they did not do that. I don't think they felt like that was probably the smartest thing with the way Georgia played physically. Uh, but I, I think when you look at uh, the, the games where Tennessee has won and maybe where the offense has had some moments of sputter, it's been Hooker's legs that's got him going, and and they did not, they they didn't play that game on on Saturday against Georgia. Were you surprised by that? A little bit, I, you know. I, I thought they they I had was. the one they had the one design run on fourth down, which that was a nice play. Ball. Ball, by the way. Um, but but I thought they might run a, a little bit more just to try to try to free things up a little bit. And, and he see kept it once on his own read and had a nice little first down run. I don't know if that was on third down or not, but. I mean, again, I, that that probably wasn't a called keep. Uh, that that was probably just a read. But there wasn't a lot of design runs there for Hendon. Yeah, and I was a little surprised when Georgia opened up and, and the two safety high look to open the game that Tennessee threw it. I think seven straight plays, um, and, and they were effective. They got a first down on their first two plays across the middle. They're patient and uh, ran ran some nice stuff there, and then they got derailed by penalties. But I, I was a little surprised that they didn't come out. I don't want to say establish the run, but it, but at least didn't show run when they got that split safety look with those safeties further back from the line of scrimmage. Uh, but maybe they just didn't feel out like they could run the football that that effectively, or they felt like they had some stuff they could attack with in the two safety look to maybe try to get Georgia out of it. But um, they, they they just couldn't stay in rhythm because of the penalties. I mean, that you, you go back and look those first two plays. I mean, they got two, they got twelve yards really quick. You know, it looked like, it, you know, they got the turnover. Like, hey, Tennessee's going to take early control here, you know, get a big, big seven spot, still a possession. And, um, man, those two penalties just totally derailed that drive in a big-time way. 
And Brent, the time, the timely penalties as well. You, you look at that first drive, Mincy, false start, first down, starting behind the sticks. Fant, false start on third down, moving it back. You look later in the uh, the second drive of the game, Mincy, false start on first down. I mean, that, you never want to have a penalty, don't get me wrong, because it's you know it's still yardage, but on first downs, on third downs, um, it, it was kind of nerve-wracking in that sense. And and I also don't think that, you know, Tennessee might not be able to run it effectively all game long the way they wanted to, but you know, losing one of your workhorse backs and, and Jabari Small early on in the football game probably didn't help that much. Yeah, when you go first and 15, it's hard to run the football, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you don't want to be sitting there second and 13, you know, or second and 12. That's not the position you want to be in. So that changes your play calling a little bit. And and, and I mentioned this on, on Sunday, um, I think, in the review piece and, and a post on the message board. It's not just the penalties losing yards, Rob. It's the stoppage of play. You're trying to go fast and create confusion with Georgia back there and get them a little helter-skelter. <laughs> they get a chance to catch their breath because the official's moving the football five yards, you know, yeah, and, I, and that disrupted it. I don't, I don't think tempo ever, ever came to the front. Do you guys, I mean, do you think, I mean, there was ever a time when Tennessee affected them with, with tempo? No. Which, when, nope. I mean, and they, I don't know they, they got close. Injuries, you know, that slowed them down too. Well, I mean, there was one drive, there were four injuries. There were two by Tennessee and two by Georgia. Yeah. I mean, they're just, Every drive had some significant stoppage of play. Uh, you had the one, I guess, was that the opening drive maybe, or, or it was Tennessee's second drive where they dropped a flag for pass interference and then First ruled drive. it wasn't pass, pass interference. You just you just made a, a, a six-yard gain, and all of a sudden you're going back to line to get ready, and there's a flag that's not a flag. That didn't cost you any yards, but it allowed Georgia to sub. It allowed Georgia to, to communicate with their coaches to make a change where you're trying to go fast. And part of that, that, that speed builds confusion. And it just, as Rob, you said, it never affected Georgia because there was never a stretch where you were like, boy, Tennessee's going warp speed for six snaps, right? It just never yeah. had that building effect on it that that's been so disruptive against other teams this year. Well, the other thing too, uh, you know, and Chris Lowe brought this point up on the nation Sunday night was, you know, Georgia's crowd was so loud throughout, and that's because, you know, you go back to the Florida game, Florida scored on Tennessee. You go back to the Alabama game, Alabama was scoring on Tennessee, which would take the crowd out of it for, for pockets, right, Till Tennessee's next big play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Georgia's crowd never, you know, was out of it because Tennessee never did anything to take them out of. I mean, offensively, you know, when you don't score your first touchdown to four minutes to go in the game, and at that point it's kind of cosmetic, you know, the crowd's been able to be, you know, at a fever pitch the entire game. Well, and and look, college football fans are crazy, right? Message boards, Twitter, and talk radio, they're all crazy. But they're not dumb. Georgia fans knew, Rob, that that a field goal stop, forcing a field goal in that opening drive – was a big win for Georgia's defense. So that giving up a field goal there wasn't going to slow the crowd down. That crowd wasn't like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Whereas if you score a touchdown, that changes the dynamics a little bit. But that 
I mean, that, that crowd was jumping after they gave up a field goal because they just gave Tennessee the ball in field goal range and got a stop. That's a win for, for Georgia's defense. Oh, it was a bigger win for Georgia's defense than if they had gone three and out, punted, and then Tennessee had punted it back to them, to me. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for Tennessee to take over on, you know, on, on their end of the field, perfect start. You know, you're, you're thinking if you're, if you're a Tennessee fan and then to, to, you know, not, not be able to capitalize. If you go up seven, I, I watching that, I don't know that it would have made a difference, but it, that game feels a lot different if it's seven to nothing before Georgia, Georgia's gotten their first, first down. And, and again, you, you can never know how everything works out, but, if Tennessee is able to punch that one in, you probably don't have the third offensive possession by Georgia in in that 75-yard punt that, you know, completely cha- changed everything. Yeah, yeah, which an early score there, Eric. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The early score there by Tennessee for a touchdown settles that game. That game felt stressed and chaotic for Tennessee. Like, like it was just everything was really, really hard, and, and it was just really chaotic. They never got settled because they couldn't get that one – play or, or, or that that one punch in to kind of get the game sort of settled in the way you wanted to it took it took a while to to get to that point I don't know that it ever really got to that point had you scored there it, it would have changed the emotions in that stadium and would have changed the emotions on Tennessee sideline I'm sure oh for sure I mean there was just there was never any rhythm uh and, and that was evident watching it in real time especially on replay there was just never any rhythm for Tennessee offensively and then Rob you're talking about that that big old punt from Georgia I mean, I had Tennessee backed up, couldn't do anything, and then Tennessee punted it back from its own end zone, and they got the football at the 37. They went ahead and scored on that first play, but they still had great field position right there at the plus 37. So um, Tennessee was just very unsettled from the get-go, and then it was that first quarter that did them in. Defensively, all these plays count. I keep, I keep saying that they all count because you gave them up, but, I mean, gosh, you give up three chunk plays on all three of those scoring drives – and, you know, you, you, you erase some of those. And I thought Tennessee defensively did uh, some positive things at points in time. Did they play good enough to win the game? No. But, you know, I thought the linebackers played pretty well. I think the secondary is getting better. Um, this was kind of more of a, a tailored game for the linebackers to play Austin. And But I thought Jeremy Banks and Juwan Mitchell and Aaron Beasley had a big TFL for a loss of five yards there in the fourth quarter. You just got to limit those big plays because you can't – you can't hurt yourself with with inflicting wounds offensively, and you can't give up the chunk plays defensively, and that's exactly what Tennessee did on Saturday. Yeah, Tennessee's been really good about that. I mean, when yeah. you go back to the Alabama game, like Alabama didn't big play them. They just kind of outside of the one, like, 35-yard touchdown run by Jameer Gibbs, it was, you know, Alabama driving the field, you know. And, uh, you know, Saturday, you know, the 75-yard punt gave, you know, Georgia the ball subsequently after they got the stop at the 30 yard line and then double move touchdown. But I mean, you're right. I mean, Arian Smith with the big, you know, 50 yard catch and, you know, I mean, George is able to hit a few plays. I mean, you go back and if you'd said Brock Bowers is going to, you know, be very, very limited in his uh, stat distribution, you would have said, you know, Tennessee's got a great shot to win instead, you know, it just, there was a game that just never felt like it was close at all. Yeah, I mean, if you just said Brock Bowers is going to have three catches for 27 yards yeah. and Georgia was going to be held under 30 points, you're taking you're taking a Tennessee win. I mean, yeah, is what is what you're. I mean, I, doing. I, I'm not I'm not trying to discredit Lad McConkey. He led the team in receptions coming into it, but I didn't see Lad McConkey converting on three third downs and having a big double move to score. I, I I didn't see that type of production out of 
a wide receiver. I thought it'd be a Brock Bowers if that were if, if Georgia was going to beat Tennessee. But I'm just I mean, I, I don't want to be this guy because I mean I think Georgia was better. I think we all agree Georgia was better. Yeah. Des- deserved the win. But just to cut if Hooker doesn't overthrow Hyatt in the first quarter, if Jawan Mitchell gets home on Stetson Bennett and doesn't let him outside the pocket on, on the third down scramble for a touchdown, I mean that's a that's an eleven point swing. Right there yeah. in the first quarter. I mean, it, it, I, again, I still think Georgia was better. I'm not. It's not spilled milk. Tennessee could have won, but if just those two plays go differently, it, it's a far, far different game at halftime. Well, and and take third and two at the nine and convert that. Oh yeah, making it third and third and twelve with back to back false start penalties in the second quarter. So I mean, again, that's the point. Georgia's the best team in the country. Okay, and and I don't. I'm not negating that. What I'm saying upon the rewatch is. Tennessee wasn't as far off in that game in terms of being able to compete with them if they would have just not made the mistakes that they made in the football game. Here's another topic, another thing. Kirby Smart was perfectly fine with his secondary getting penalties. Don't get beat, right? No layups, right? If you're in trouble, grab them. How many teams are going to play Tennessee that way moving forward? Is that going to be a real coaching point for all secondary coaches out there that says, hey – if, if you think you're in trouble, just tackle the guy. We'll take 15 yards and play another play instead of giving up 55 yards for a touchdown or 60 yards for a touchdown. Because there was a real mentality with Georgia there. I mean, you know, Kirby's a guy who loses his mind on the sidelines frequently. He never got upset about his four defensive holding penalties. Mm-hmm. They didn't bother him in the least because he made it very clear, don't give them anything easy. Is that how teams play Tennessee in the secondary moving forward? Because that's not a wrinkle we've seen to this point. You know, even as it was happening, guys, I thought that it reminded me of Rick Bettino coaching full court press and telling his guys they're not going to they're not going to call them all. So just right. you know, be, be aggressive, be physical. I mean, that's that's what I thought of as it was happening. Because I, I I think you're exactly right, Hubber. He was just you know, hey, we'll, we'll take it for you, but we're not going to let it get thrown over our heads. I mean, well, they're not, they're not even if you go 15 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards, and you get down, you know, you're backed up into the, inside your own, you know, in the red zone, it's a lot easier to defend because there's a lot less ground to defend, uh, you know, inside the 20 than, you know, Tennessee hitting chunk plays on you that could potentially end up in 50 or 60 yard, you know, touchdowns. Yeah. And up to this point, I mean, Jalen Hodge has been running by those guys, kind of like, uh, you know, McIntosh ran right by Jalen McCullough on that wheel route, one of those big explosive plays on the scoring drive. So what Jalen McCullough's been doing, or excuse me, that's what uh, Jalen Hyde's been doing the majority of the time this year. Just wasn't wasn't able to do that against Georgia, but still with that too, it's not a spot foul in the NFL. You can't do that, but in college and high school, you can definitely do that if if you need to. Here's a question for all you guys: the second um, round of the college football playoff rankings will be released tonight. Tennessee was number one last week, obviously going to drop, but Austin is Tennessee going to be four, five, six? Where does Tennessee come in tonight, in your opinion? I'm going to go four. Everybody's kind of pin, you know. Because of the, the polls, having them at five, everybody thinks that TCU is going to make this jump. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people have said it, and it's a valid point. I mean, if if TCU's, you know, resume wasn't as good as Alabama's last week, how is it better than Tennessee's this week? And so, like, I mean, if you're, to me, if you if you jump them that high, then, you know, you're, you're just moving chess pieces around and move chess pieces around. And – you're not, there's no kind of you know, validity to it, in my opinion. You know, again, like if, if you felt that strongly about TCU last week, it makes sense, but you didn't. They didn't, and they didn't blow the doors off Texas, Texas Tech, Tech on Saturday. Tech 
Yeah, here's my thing yeah, about I'm, this. I'm gonna go ahead, go ahead, Rob. I think you and I are going to the same place. You go right ahead, bud. Tennessee, Tennessee's not Alabama, is what I was gonna say in in the eyes of voters. It's, I mean, they don't. No, have I mean, Alabama's I get that. Cachet. That's that's what I think. I mean, I, I think I think people will not have a problem putting TCU up in front of Tennessee, whereas you know, dropping Bama would give some give some voters pause who have had them in you know their top two or three for the last ten years. Well, and here, here's the other thing too. How many weeks? How many weeks do we do this? What four, five weeks before you ever get to five. whoever the final four are? I mean, they like moving people around. How much of this is for some drama, right? I mean, how, I mean, how much of this is for some attention? If you just leave it, if you don't move anybody around, how many people are interested in it? And you've got an opportunity this week to move people around because of everything that happened on Saturday: Tennessee losing, Clemson losing. Uh, Alabama losing, um, Texas te- TCU's got the opportunity this week. All the, they're the national spotlight this week, right? Where's game day going? Who releases the playoff standings, right? So, so are we building a little hype? Are we building a little drama mm-hmm. here? Uh, it, the conspiracy theorist in me says Tennessee is five with TCU four uh, in this week's playoffs, and then if T, you know TCU. Uh, losing would eliminate themselves from that. That's that would just be my initial guess because I do think there's a little built-in drama in this because the bottom line is the best four teams at the end of the year, not necessarily the best four teams in week two of the playoff releasings. Yeah, made for TV. I was dead set on the ride home the other night. Tennessee was going to be fourth. Um, I've come off that. I think Tennessee will be fifth tonight, but I think Tennessee should be fourth. But many of the reasons you just pointed out there, Brent, uh, you know, made for TV. There's still three more weeks. Tennessee's going to win these next three games. They should win these next three games pretty handily. Tennessee's not going anywhere. So you can give TCU its due, which has a nice little resume with a potential loss coming up this weekend to Texas. So I think Tennessee should be fourth. I think Tennessee's one of the top four teams in the country, but I won't be shocked whatsoever, Austin, if Tennessee is fifth come, coming out there tonight. No, I won't be shocked. I'm just saying, you know, that's. Well, if I were voting, if I were voting, I would, I, and you're going to vote the four best teams right now this week, Tennessee would be in my top four. Yeah, and I think that's what you're saying, Austin. Right? Is is if if you had a vote, Tennessee would be would be in the top four of your vote with Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. No, I just think a lot of people have pegged Tennessee to move down to that five spot, and you know, a lot of times the committee will do things that you know is a surprise. Last week, Clemson being in the top four was a surprise. Um, you know, and Michigan not being um, so. Uh, you, you'll see Michigan move up and, you know, I mean, where's Oregon at, you know, in this thing, you know, I mean, like, where, where are they at? You know, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be ahead of Tennessee or whatever, but just kind of where are they s- slotted at, you know, uh, numbers wise, are they six or are they, you know, where are they at? So we'll have to see what the second round of the college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. They'll be doing them every single Tuesday night. I believe it's at seven o'clock on, um, on, on the network. And uh, and they'll take it. They'll do the last one after conference championship game, and you know we'll have to see. It's still very much in play here, Tennessee for the college football playoffs, no doubt about that. Uh, as Tennessee continues to finish off the regular season, three games starting Saturday at noon against Missouri. Austin, a last chance for Tennessee to have some recruits on campus. It'll be Senior Day. Uh, what's kind of the plan, and what's Tennessee's envision for recruiting this weekend? Well, you, you've seen Dejon Lafitte, the Southern Cal commit, who Tennessee was starting to recruit and had offered. Um, he's just from right outside Chino, right outside of Anaheim. He's coming in for the game uh, on Saturday. So it'll be a chance to impress him. Um, you know, 
Khalifa Keith is supposed to be here this weekend as well. And then we'll see who else makes it in. Again, this is the last chance for a, for a game. Um, but obviously, Tennessee will have uh, a few official visitors in the month of December. And, and Keith will come in. This will not be an official visit. This will be an unofficial visit. But I still continue to f- get the vibe like, you know, this thing is coming to a resolution sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I, I think before the calendar turns to December, you know, he's doing something, you know, one way or the other. Hey, AP, what's what's the story on the kid from Chino? I mean, what what's he do? What's Tennessee like about him? I mean, I know that was a surprise commit when he jumped in on that at, that Southern Cal offer as fast as he did. So, what, what's what's kind of the backstory on that kid for those people who hadn't followed him very closely? Yeah, I was going to go see him, but it allowed me to you know hang around and ride the teacups a few more times at Disneyland. Um, yeah, long. Um, you know, it, it's kind of you know burst onto the scene with some really good tape this fall and. You know, again, Southern Cal offered, Tennessee offered. I mean, he's a Southern Cal kid, but he's coming out here to take a visit. So that's interesting to me. Um, doesn't mean he'll come, but at the same time, it, I thought for sure once the, you know, Southern Cal commitment, you know, happened, there's no way you're going to get that kid, you know, locked in. Again, Rodney Garner's done a nice job with him. The defensive lineman, um, you know, Tennessee wants to add D lineman in this class. David Hobbs, obviously coming off the official visit to Georgia. I think Alabama has been replaced by Georgia as Tennessee's biggest competition coming out of the weekend. I still feel like Tennessee is in a solid spot here, but clearly uh, Hobbs uh, enjoyed his time in Athens. I just think the, the top the top two now is different than a week ago. Instead of Tennessee, Alabama, I think it's Tennessee, Georgia. 2023 offensive lineman Vison Lane going to come off the board later today. Tennessee's still in a good spot? Yes, trending. Hashtag trending. Uh, anything else for 24s, especially in-state here with uh, the last home game weekend coming up? I mean, continue still. Tennessee continues to still move the needle very much down in Chattanooga, out in Nashville. Uh, already three 2024 commits for that class. Yeah, four. Four 24. Four 24. Um, 20, yeah, 2024 um, commits, yeah. Yeah, Maisie uh, Jonathan Eccles, Carson Gentle, and then, of course, Caleb Beasley. So a, a nice start to that 24 class, some really solid pieces. And, um, you know, Tennessee wants to continue to have that upward mark and an upward uh, momentum with that 24 class. And I think that's where you're seeing the success this year, you know, pay the most dividends. Tennessee will get back onto the gridiron this Saturday. It'll be senior day. Hendon Hooker will be honored. Cedric Tillman will be honored. A bunch of others will be honored as well. And uh, But more, most importantly, Tennessee trying to get back into the win column following its first loss of the season to Georgia. Still, Tennessee is 8-1 on the season, 4-1 and one in SEC play, ranked number 5 in the AP and in the coaches poll. And we'll see where Tennessee is pegged in the second round of the college football playoff rankings coming out later tonight. Appreciate you guys for uh, checking in with us here on the Ball Quest Podcast. Get your mailbag questions in. Brent will post that uh, that thread sometime today, so get them in there for the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast. That's coming up on Thursday. $1 for one year. Join us over here. It's a good Tennessee football season. Having a whole lot of fun over at VolQuest.com with the new On3 sites. And uh, like this video and subscribe, if you haven't already, to VolQuest on YouTube. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, as always for listening right here on the Ball Quest Podcast. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Podcast every week here on Ball Quest.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.